0: Welcome to FinTech Unfiltered, the podcast for bank innovation, an industry leading blog, and its sister accelerator, INV FinTech. This is Tatiana Kulkarni, Deputy Editor at Bank Innovation, and today we're going to talk about real time payments. I am joined by Jordan Lampy, who's Head of Strategic Projects at Payment Platform Dwala. Welcome, Jordan.
1: Thanks for having me, Tatiana.
0: Yep. So um, let's start off with, you know, what's real-time payments and what's what's the difference between real-time payments and same-day ACH payments?
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and maybe it, it, it's worth taking a quick step back as you think about the distinction between things like card networks, ACH, and now this newcomer, uh, real-time payments. What we're really talking about is an entirely different set of rails um, where, you know, We're not necessarily communicating through third-party credit card networks or debit card networks or using batch-based systems like ACH does. What we're actually talking about is a real-time communication system that allows financial institutions to talk to one another, to exchange information, and do the messaging that typically comes with a transaction in real time. So if you look at those as, as three distinct set of rails um, and then kind of focus on ACH versus uh, faster payment systems in general, and a, an example of faster, a faster payment system would be the Clearinghouse's real-time payment system, which is uh, a, another name uh, for, for one of those systems that they're trying to set up. So uh, faster payments, in this case, is is really kind of, like I said, a whole new rail. And comparing that towards something like ACH is it's kind of like comparing a train to to Hyperloop, if that makes sense. Um, where, yeah. you know, uh, with same-day ACH uh, being the train, you know, same-day ACH does a great job at adding additional, um, uh, I guess you could say, stops or times where, where a train or a transaction may depart, but it still doesn't really compare to the new technology and capabilities of something like, a, a, like Hyperloop.
0: Gotcha. And, and for banks, I mean, what goes into preparing for this new rail of, of real-time payments?
1: Well, and that's really kind of the the question that a lot of folks are grappling with right now. And I will say that we've come a long ways and just a short amount of time to address a lot of those questions. Um, really the way I look at it, um, if to stand up a faster payment system, you need three core uh, components. You need a directory, uh, fraud, a fraud sharing services layer, as well as the traditional operator, which people might be familiar with uh, the role that the clearinghouse and the Federal Reserve plays today. Um, On the bank level, you know, that's really kind of the question that a lot of financial institutions are are, are going through. Uh, What are are going to be the levels of implementation? Are they just going to accept payments? Are they going to originate payments? Are they going to do this new feature that we, we, we worked really hard with worked hard for on the Federal Reserve uh, Faster Payments Task Force, and that is, you know, credit request. So, you know, as banks look at this, how it aligns with, you know, ongoing marketing, legal compliance risk obligations, those are things that they're looking through uh, and taking a a hard look at now. Then you also have these core service providers, the service providers that provide you know, DDA account software, uh, origination software, uh, big names that come to mind, maybe FIS, Jack Henry, um, uh, Fiserv, those are also a really integral part of getting this system online for these financial institutions.
0: Gotcha. And are there any other players in the ecosystem that need to come together to to create um, or to enable the system for a bank?
1: Absolutely. Well, maybe it's more of the demand side, right? So a lot of question on everybody's mind is, is this kind of the field of dreams thing? If we build it, will they come? And they is a big question mark. Obviously, some of those stakeholders you're looking at are going to be businesses, government uh, and those pesky things we call consumers, you know, how how are these mm-hmm. folks going to interface with the system? What is going to be the value proposition to them? How are they going to experience it in a consistent fashion? These are things that are being addressed right now and represented in some, inside of some of the policy groups that are working on this today, like uh, the Federal Reserve's uh, government formation uh, framework formation uh, Team as well as the uh, new uh, up-and-coming um, fi- Faster Payments Council. So mm-hmm. really trying to orchestrate all of these. Obviously, if you look at it from a participation perspective, uh, businesses have been really involved. Everyone from you know Walmart to Verizon who see the cost benefits and efficiencies that are to be gained with this with a with a new modern system. Uh, same with government. Consumers, you know, we're always kind of at the um, the other end of these conversations, but luckily there's a lot of really great groups involved, like the Consumers Union, uh, consumer groups, and a couple other folks like the CFPB as well.
0: Gotcha. And in terms of value add, I mean, you know, what is, is the value add for banks, if if at all?
1: Yeah, you know, you know the, one of the things that I think um, I, I think a lot about uh, from our time working on on the Faster Payments Task Force was was Faster Payments Task Force a misnomer for a name. Uh, we really did put the emphasis on the faster element, and while that does bring significant value to many of the members and and, and, and the um, uh, supply chain, it actually speaks to a lot more. Uh, you start thinking about the fraud sharing services, the capabilities of of a modern system and being able to promote access, um looking, rethinking inclusion and governance, and all these other things. So there's a lot of value to be had by these financial institutions by participating in these conversations and making it worth their while.
0: Mhm, And there's also a lot of talk about how um data is be- going to become, you know center in in such a such a system maybe if you could talk a little bit about that
1: yeah we at dwalla that's a, that's an excellent point we at dwalla we really look at uh, one of our one of our core beliefs is money equals data and that really is where we're moving to um you know we don't move money anymore, yeah. uh, well we do, but it's not as uh, as prevalent as it used to be. We used to move money on horses and, and armored trains. Now in the okay. digital information age, it really, a, a transaction doesn't come down to the actual physical funds moving, it's the data, it's the messaging. And that's something that we here at DWAL have really embraced and have pretty much built our entire software platform around. Mm-hmm.
0: Interesting. And just in terms of, I guess, APIs, do they have a role to play uh, in this scenario at all?
1: Absolutely. And and I would still say that it's really early stages to, to have this discussion. Uh, but it's one of those that we were really wanting uh, – we at DWALA are are actively involved in, right? Um, just just from our own standpoint, you know, Douala enables fa- uh, bank transfers for quickly scaling uh, financial, or, or not just financial, but tech companies in general. So we have a we have a vested interest in this conversation. We look at bank transfers transfers as the common denominator, in a lot of um, of, of these transaction types. Uh, when you look at cost, ubiquity, affordability, so we really wanted to have a proactive stance on how we were going to discuss and kind of uh, propagate the idea of API access. So with I, circling back to what I said earlier, it is still early stages. We are still developing the systems. We're still rolling them out. The Clearinghouse is a great leader there uh, inside of those conversations. So has the Federal Reserve. How these bank, these banks and credit unions are going to monetize this, we see APIs being a, uh, playing a really big role there. Um, but APIs are only part of the solution. I like to say that um, you know, uh, APIs generate press releases, but platforms generate sustainable, uh, long-term growth and revenue. So I think it's a it's a cultural shift as much as it is a technical shift and understanding and releasing API access to a real-time faster payment system um, because there is going to be other elements outside of just releasing some documentation that these financial institutions are going to need to do to fully understand and realize the ROI of um, uh, a faster payment system. Mm-hmm.
0: And do you think um, that period that it's taking banks to figure out how to monetize the system, is that that's what taking um, the crux of the time to, you know, fully deploying real-time payments?
1: I think the big question on everybody's mind is interoperability. Um, look, we have we have something like 13 or 14,000 financial institutions in the United States that dwarfs any other country in the entire world. Um, we have a lot of Constituents that we have to get on board if we want this to succeed, and generally all those financial institutions want this to succeed. It's just the manner in which they want to go about doing that, right? I, I think that there is a lot of discussion and education that needs to be had um, around everything from, you know, how are we going to enroll this? Well, it's going to be the user experience. If, if there is a transaction decline, how are how am I as a small town financial institution having a voice in the direction of the Faster payment system. Obviously, for example, you know, ACH has NACHA. What is going to be that similar body uh, moving forward? So there's a lot of these questions uh, floating around. I think that I think that there's been a lot of very smart investments. Um, I would say probably by the larger financial institutions that are throwing more money at this because they're prepared to go in the direction that they want to go in. Um, Some of the banks that come to mind, BBVA, Compass, um, uh, Silicon Valley Bank, you know, there's a lot of other proactive companies or financial institutions inside of the member, the Clearinghouse's member network, that are being very thoughtful about how they want to roll this out, engaging with different stakeholders, talking to businesses, what features do you need? what do we need to do to onboard you uh, what What is going to be the approval process for for your end users? How are those things going to be structured is really kind of where we're at as an as a uh, market
0: mm-hmm. and do you think it makes sense to be an early adapter like the banks you mentioned? Or um, is it kind of better to to step aside and see how how things go
1: I think it really depends if if we're talking about being a financial institution it really depends on a couple of things one you know what is your one. core competency um, are you really good at issuing loans or are you making a, a significant revenue off of processing ach transactions uh, Another one might be what is your current tech stack looking you know, one, three, five years down the road, what improvements are you going to need to be making? Uh, what's the culture um, uh, at that financial institution? So I think the better that a financial institution can uh, ask these questions, figure them out, create a create a phased approach, business plan, a, a business case for these sort of things, you're really going to start figuring out how uh, business uh, how financial institutions are going to best leverage this system. Gotcha. Um, but I, I, I would, sorry, I would just add. No, I apologize. I would just add to an, uh, another point. You know, there is precedent. There is, there is some, there are case studies, case studies out there, that really point uh, to um, uh, different financial players inside of newly formed payment systems, that show, you know, those that invested early, those that invested uh, often those that took the time to be part of the conversation reaped the biggest rewards uh when that went live and you know for dwala's sake you know we are building the ideal platform to move money we really believe in being that early adopter as well
0: mhm mm-hmm. and lastly jordan i mean what are you know what are some of the trends we can expect to see once this this is fully deployed i mean what do you think is um
1: the future is going to look like. Oh man, <sighs> um, uh, that, that's a really big question. You know, it, it and it really depends on on kind of what you're looking for. I guess who you are. Um, but for one thing, we can look. Uh, at existing payment systems, uh, newer real-time payment systems. Looking at volume, you know, it's mostly cash that is affected or cannibalized. There's been a slight dip in wire, but really marginal changes in in, in debit and credit card usage. So, I I still see um, us going on and and protecting some of the traditional revenue streams, Uh, just exploring and, and finally monetizing that cash and check stream. Like they haven't had an opportunity before in the past. Um, And and you could probably think of revenues off of real-time payments as somewhere probably between ACH and debit cards. Um, Just to kind of build a framework, it'll be really interesting to see as adoption grows what that price point is going to look like. Um, Because as we all know in payments, price is really dictated by volume and economies of scale. The other thing I would mm-hmm. say is, you know, you, you look at some of these systems as they come online. Granted, their mandate was a little bit different for their existence, um, whereas whereof all the faster payment systems in the world have been um, basically led by government regulation. Ours was a very free market approach uh, that the Federal Reserve take, took. But I will mm-hmm. say that we have seen these, these systems open themselves up. A uh, good example is you know, looking at the UK's faster payment system and, and what they did with the UK Sandbox, PSD-2, some of the things that they're looking at now, uh, which wouldn't be crazy, is bank account portability, the ability for consumers to easily pick up their, their bank account payments and related services and port it over to another financial institution. The CFPB has already kind of came out and said that they're looking at it. Mm-hmm.
0: Um
1: and I would also say that what we're probably gonna see is, a, again, another shift to platforms. We're gonna see probably banks look a lot less like a brick and mortar, looking and acting a lot more like a platform. Whether they are building it or buying it themselves, I think what, we're, what they're gonna to start to see and understand is the value of providing API access and other services and, and through programmatic channels. And then there's a whole bunch of right. other cool stuff that we're going to be able to do that's going to you know change consumer behavior, business models and all that sort of stuff when you know we're able to send real-time information, real-time payments at an affordable cost. It's, it's really going to open up a lot of different opportunities for both businesses, consumers, governments, financial institutions. And I think that's where uh, the market needs to keep um, its eye on the target there.
0: Great. So stay tuned, I guess. Absolutely. Um, well Jordan, thank you so much. This was a very informative discussion.
1: No problem. I appreciated the time.
0: And thank you all for joining FinTech Unfiltered.